When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Aaron from the show. First of all, thank you for listening. Once you finish listening to this episode, do us a solid. Go ahead and give us a rating and write a review of the show. This lets us know that we're doing a good job and helps other people find us. And speaking of other people, if you know someone who might enjoy the show, we would love it if you told them about it. We can be found at gttgp.com. There's tons of stuff on there. You can learn more about us. There's an episode guide. And of course, you can find our social media pages where we love geeking out with our listeners. Now, let's get to the good part. Welcome to Get to the Good Part. This is Aaron. And this is Chris. So let's get into the strange first. A couple days ago, something unusual happened. And so it's a bit like it's a bit like the, the ripples in the cup of water on Jurassic Park. When you Ooh. see the ripples happen, you know something big is coming. But all you can see is the ripples in your cup vibrating. And that's that is what happened a couple days ago. So Ernest Klein evidently started shutting down his Twitter account. Poof. Gone. Facebook. Gone. Every God. indication of social media interaction, poof, gone, just disappeared. One might say erased from existence. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, and I was concerned. Like, you know, a lot of people were really kind of concerned because it's been years, really, since the movie came out. Quite a while since the first book came out, we've been anticipating this book. Heck, we went to a book signing in Ohio, and he was like, he was done. Like he was, he was just, he was editing it. And here we are, like two years later, and his accounts are gone. So initially, my thinking was that maybe he had pulled a Chappelle. That maybe it was too much. Maybe he just left. What did you hear? What did you think? Well. Some of the things that I was hearing or reading people wonder was he was trying to shut all this stuff down to kind of get ahead of this whole cancel culture that's going on right now. Mm -hmm. And I never bought that. Didn't really think much into it. Playing Monday morning quarterback should have thought something big is going to happen here. I, I could see it. Maybe, maybe something was said. There is previous material that he has put out when he was much, much younger that did have some controversy. Uh, we've got this whole issue with J.K. Rowling basically digging a hole deeper and deeper on her social media. And and I could see that. Like, I think, like, that's a rational, uh, potentially justifiable action or, or assumption that a person could come to. Then there's also just the people that are jumping ship from Facebook or the whole advertising ban thing right. with uh, Facebook. And maybe he was just like, you know what, I'm done with social media. Like there was a bunch of different things that it could have been. And frankly, I, I can't say that I had a, a heck of a lot of time to think about it beyond that. I just kind of like, oh, okay. Because like the, the trickle of news on 
anything Ready Player One was non-existent. So it yeah. just, it just, I didn't care to think about it much more than no, that. No, I, I didn't. I didn't think of it as as. I, again, it was, it was a level of concern, but I would never have thought it to go in a completely different direction because one, generally speaking, when you're talking about putting something out that is being looked forward to, you think, well, why would a person get rid of his social media accounts when he can leverage that as advertising? I, I didn't yeah. even think that far. I didn't even think that far. But earlier today, about 13 hours ago, that's when the news hit. That's when the next book dropped. Ah. We're talking about the ability now today to pre-order Ready Player Two. And I have. Oh, I have. As soon as I saw it pop up on Amazon, I'm like, boom, done. Done. Yeah. <laughs> that was me as well. I was like, I'm going to have it in the mail on the 24th of November. Now, November feels like it is a year away. I've got something to look forward to. Can I just say that this was, let me tell you what this moment meant to me. Everybody up until now has basically said, fuck 2020. 2020 sucks. Forget 2020. Just no, skip over yeah. it, fast forward. And now I'm like, this is the best. Like, yeah. Like, thank you. Like, Ernest Klein has made a shitty year amazing. Yep. Yeah, that's that's going to be the turning point, right? And the interesting thing is, is that this book comes, like, no, November is basically election time. We're talking about this book coming out days after the election, correct? Well, it's kind of like a couple weeks after the election, but more importantly, it's two or three days before Thanksgiving. Oh, right, right. But the thing here is that it is still strange that he just dropped all of his social media. And then we look at the cover of this book, which is a field of stars in space with the words Ready Player Two in blue. And... The, the sort of iconic sort of 8-bit character reaching for a what appears to be like a, like a, a six, maybe 16-bit, right? Like a 16-bit diamond yep. in the center. And that's, first off, that's interesting because we say Ready Player Two. And we're talking about just in the, in the span of, of appreciation for the kinds of games that came out of the early 80s. The 16-bit revolution didn't come until soon after. So I, I first off I find it really cool that what we're seeing here is sort of like that next level gameplay, that next level technology that maybe we're reaching towards. But there have been some theories about potentially what that little diamond, that six-sided bluish diamond uh, could be referencing. So what have you heard? What I have seen and heard is that this could be a reference to Zelda because that's the exact shape of the the diamonds or whatever the currency was in the original game of Zelda or mm -hmm. Nintendo. So the, like, if that's true, it's like, great, he might actually do some Nintendo references in this book. That would be nice because there really weren't any in the, in the first book. Right. It is a little bit more refined than the graphics of Zelda because Zelda was I guess 8-bit and was this, Zelda okay well it was the original Nintendo was 8-bit I thought okay 
Um, so I don't know what to make of it. Maybe it is Zelda. I would probably say, like, I look at that, and if I'm going to try to find some symbolism in it, is if it is a, a kind of a nod to Zelda, it's a reference to the adventure. I remember the the original game and the map was a bit of a maze. There were... You know, you needed the the magazine to know where the hell to go. You had little doors and things you could go into. A bit of a puzzle. So that's, to me, this might be, if it is meant to be a nod to Zelda, it is more about the gameplay of Zelda and the adventure or the plot. Zelda was about trying to find Princess Zelda. She had been kidnapped. I guess that was the plot. I should have looked this up. You know, this was very impromptu recording. Uh, I mean... The other thing is, it is also a crystal. Yeah. And the, we left off with the completing of the final gate, which required a crystal key to open. Three crystal mm-hmm. keys to open. So maybe that's what it's referencing. It's rough. Because uh, in, in this situation, the, the cover has the key in the center of the O on Ready Player One. Yep. And so, th- so that hint right there is a very direct reference to what is valuable. And it is the key that's valuable in in Ready Player One. That's that is the, the what they're racing for is a number of keys, and in this we've got a diamond, and that's just kind of or or a gem of some sort. And that's when you look at it, it's like you know what a key does. Like a key symbolically represents opening a door, you know, or or getting past a a certain objective, something that unlocks something that you want to get at. But with this gem, going after a gem, I feel like there's something more valuable that he is going to be chasing after. Or, and I say he, we don't know if this book is about Parzival. That is very true. That was one of the things I was trying to look for in that little uh, jumping dude was, does it have an implied gender to it? Could it be that maybe this is an Artemis tale? Yeah, I mean, they're very masculine colors on the first book. You've got red and yellow. I mean, I guess to that same point, we don't know if this is a sequel or if it's a prequel or a sidequel where it's basically telling another story that was along the same timeline as the original book. We don't know. This could this could just be Artemis's story. Heck, this could be Halliday's story. This could be Halliday younger. This could be Halliday uh, creating the Oasis. This could be him trying to plot his way through the real world to creating the Oasis. This could be him chasing after, you know, something valuable that is, you know, like the diamond or the crystal. You talked about the dark crystal. Well, he could be chasing after Kira, who is, you know, named after a character in the dark crystal. Yeah. It could be Og. It could be Og. You're right. Og would be a better player too than Halliday because Halliday would kind of be like player one. But yeah, like I think there's like a story to tell about how they broke up, about how Ogden got the girl, and how it kind of put a, a strain on their relationship, as well as what he could do in the Oasis. And how that affected his ability to access the Oasis. He obviously didn't have all godlike powers, right? He didn't have the control, the ability to control the Oasis. So he was a bit stinted in his abilities to control things. And for all we know, he may have hacked the powers that he had in the book. Maybe. With no one really to stop him. So it's, it's, a, it, it's rough. The, the crystal doesn't tell us a whole lot. 
and, and we're not even sure if Ready Player Two is a reference to simply a follow-up sequel as in like the second book, or if we're talking about the second player in this game who might be a completely different person, or if maybe this is a reference to something earlier where it's Ready Player Two, as in like two players to play the game. In other words, you know, somebody prior finding somebody that they love and, and then going at it together. Well, that didn't come out right. Uh, <laughs> Ogden and Kira combining to be the two players within the game. Uh, it, it's like there's there's a story that could be told in a prequel, I think. I mean, we could make so many guesses and we're probably all going to be wrong. Who knows? Yeah. It's, it, it's going to be so much fun. But can we talk more a little more about the cover and maybe some other clues that might be here? Yeah, please. Or, or, Absolutely. Or hints. So, what else have you seen? I haven't seen anybody else's theories, but I've started to develop some of my own thoughts on it. So especially when you compare this to the original book cover, there are some distinct differences. So let's talk about color. So the background and the letters are two very different colors. Mm-hmm. We essentially have a black background with blue letters, and that black background is speckled with stars, all different kinds of like pixel stars. So I had a, a couple of thoughts on the starry background, but then I had another thought about the background and the color of the letters together that I thought was interesting. But starting with the background, basically a field of stars. So now what did Parzival always see when he would open a gate before he so, w- went a in? A field of stars. A field oh, of stars. Yeah, good point. Good point. So perhaps the cover is implying that there's another gate. And and I've kind of always had this like wonder or like this possibility of like somebody should write a fanfic of that Halliday never finished the entirety of the contest. Maybe there was a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth gate that he didn't get around to because he ran out of time and changed everything to three. Maybe there's another gate that's in this next book. Who knows? In a number of games and a number of things, for example, we talk about the Easter eggs, right? We talk about these sort of hidden things you can unlock within the game. But what we really didn't talk about in the book is backdoors. And, for example, war games. Well, yeah, yeah. And we Mm. talked about, I think we referenced it for war games, for example, where the creator left a backdoor, an ability to get into the internal systems, uh, an administrative override, if you will, that makes it easy to get in and test stuff and get out. And I got to wonder, with this field of stars, what occurred to me when you mentioned this is that the unlocking of the gate and the field of stars within it, maybe there is a back door to the system and maybe someone found it. Ooh. And in finding the back door, maybe being able to hack the system, that would be a direct attack on, on Parzival. And moreover, if you mm. start the book off in a place where his life isn't in where he had hoped it would be, like it didn't end well, for, you know, it wasn't a happy ending beyond the book. You know, his relationship comes crashing down. He burned his ties with H, you know, the money got in the way, the power got in the way. And then to be drugged down and then to have the system endangered or threatened to kind of bring the band back together, to quote the Blues Brothers, something to kind of, but but the hmm. fact that they're they're fighting a force 
that is trying to manipulate and destroy and 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 hack the game from the inside because the greatest threat to any game being played is people hacking it people getting it and exploiting it and doing wall hacks and basically just gaining powers that no one else in the game has and then using it in malicious ways and it's something that is troublesome for for every game maker so i mean i guess you were kind of incorrect this was actually a, a centerpiece of the book because Parzival went into the IOI mainframe via a backdoor. Yeah, kind of. I mean, he did. He backdoored it because he stole an account from a hacker. But he backdoored it from from the well, inside. No, well, I mean, he, he bought an exploit. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. He. Yeah, it is a backdoor. a backdoor. Yeah, it was a program that left a, left an exploit in the system where where he could he could hack it with an account and figure out his way through. So yeah, that's that's kind of like a that's kind of an exploit, sure. But I got to wonder if, if if you know that I could see that as being a theme here, and we have so little information to go off of, and so many cool directions that could be gone in this this particular book coming out. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm just really excited. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's some other observations on the cover. All right. So mm-hmm. again, sticking with the the black background with the stars, could this be a reference to some other pop culture thing? And I had a recollection of one of the vintage cover arts for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that has uh-huh. a few other stars on it. I think that one's probably less likely. The one that really kind of punched me in the face was... 2010. No. 2001 Space Odyssey. No. Damn it. What major pop culture reference set in space, starry background, that begins with blue letters? Uh, Once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away. Did that start with blue letters? Those letters were blue. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, All right. Interesting. Okay, that's that is interesting, huh? I uh, where are we left with that reference? Because that is kind of a mid seventies thing. I mean, I'm saying like the color is very similar. You got a starry background, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know where to take that, but I think at the very least that influenced the color choices. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of the starry background being more of like a reference to the gates. I I think that makes a lot of sense. I think relating this to the gates makes a lot of sense. That that's that is the most sense that I can think of at the moment because otherwise I don't know what else to think about that. But I think something that we need to take into consideration as well is the last time he did this book and there was no guarantee of its success. He put in the book a puzzle he put in Easter eggs. He created a chase. The prize was uh, a DeLorean. And now we know this is probably going to fly off the shelves as well, that people are going to follow this up, that there's already a solid fan base there. So, uh, you know, we have to see, we have to kind of dissect this stuff because there's a good chance that he's going to do the same thing again, I believe. And possibly even bigger. Well, if it involves playing video games, I'm out. Well, well, you can get good at video games. No, not now. The other thing I thought was in stark contrast to the original was the stylization of the lettering. Yes. 
It is different. All these letters have, they have these like shadows and layers and it's cool looking. But the, what I get out of this perhaps is that it's adding some perspective and depth to these letters. You could probably pull from this is that whatever challenges there are in this book, it's going to be more difficult and just require a lot more, a lot more effort from those playing the game. It's like going from 2D to 3D. This is going to have more difficult challenges. Yeah. It, and I like the way you put that. I mean, if you really want to break down the symbols here, there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of shadowing. There, there is this fear. This, there is this feeling of a, a looming darkness, even embedded within the letters, right? It's, it's this blue, and you have the, the deep, vast darkness of the space, and then you have this shadowing within the lettering. And all of this feels very much like you, you've got this sort of, I don't want to say sinister, but very sort of dark, dark. and pur- purposefully hidden and not in a good way kind of, you know, it's no longer a game. Now you've really got to to figure out what is the the puzzle that you have to get at. And I don't mean in a in a in a haha, you're going to get a reward kind of way, but maybe kind of like in a in a kind of the situation where the riddler would give you a riddle because he has somebody hostage. Mm. And and there's more at stake. And the only thing more at stake would have to be people's lives. Not just not just the reward of the oasis and control over it, but something much more sinister. I'm kind of hoping that the book moves in a direction where the game is continued in the real world and the stakes are higher as a result. Because characters killed in the oasis, that's, you know, it's a bummer. There is real risk there. We know this. But if the oasis goes away, if the internet is turned off and everyone is left in the proverbial dark, then you'd have to find a way to bring that back online. You'd have to basically run through the the real world in order to make that happen. Yesterday, my internet died. <laughs> and it was horrible. So... That sounds terrible. Losing the internet and losing the Oasis. I really hope it's not about the death of the Oasis. And I kind of hope it still takes place largely in the Oasis because I thought the world building of the Oasis was so, so much fun and just so well done. And it just like made you, you know, it put me into like this, Oh, I wonder what else you could do there. Or like, what world would I want to live in uh, or play in? Or what challenges would I want to do in the Oasis? And I'm not a gamer. So, like, it inspires something in me that makes me want more of the Oasis. And I really hope we see a lot more of the Oasis. And, you know, maybe this whole idea about this starry background means that the confines of, like, that Rubik's Cube that is the uh, the world of the Oasis, maybe we're going beyond that. Maybe it's like, what's beyond that structure that exists? Mm-hmm. And maybe there's something there. Like, I don't know. I'm having fun thinking about it, but I also don't want to think too much about it. It is hard not to drill into this because you know there's going to be a puzzle. You know there's going to be a challenge. There are hints that could have real rewards attached yeah. to them. So, So the other thing that's interesting is that if you put the two book covers side by side, you know, mm-hmm. like the letter 
uh, if you look at the original book cover, the letters R, A, D, and P, they all have holes in it for the holes in the letter. All the mm-hmm. holes in the letters in Ready Player Two are gone, except for the hole that has the crystal in it or the diamond in it. So right. all that stylization is gone. And the A also doesn't have the little gap between the legs of the A. That's gone. So those are very interesting stylistic choices that were made to the original font that are in this new book cover. Lots of interesting choices in here. Cause like we talked about this with like authors and like everything that they do and they write. Have great intention, have very intense purpose, incredible intention and purpose. So the choices made in this book cover were very explicit. Maybe we're pissing in the wind. I don't know. We'll probably read the book and find out that this was just somebody in the graphics department made this up and they thought it looked great. We should use blue and the starry background. <laughs> I know there are keys in this book, but... Uh, a diamond would be nice. Yeah. Maybe it's a diamond ring. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's Parzival uh, proposing to Artemis. <sighs> fucking lame would that be i know i mean don't get me wrong like okay for everyone that's like into the true romancy thingy fine but really him chasing her with a diamond ring would just be i'm not saying that it's bad if they get together oh lord Ooh, what if this is a little further down the road i'm wondering if this is many years in the future what if ready player two is his kid yeah what if this is about a father leaving behind a legacy for his son and making sure that his son learns what he needs to learn in order to take over the family business, if you will. And and the diamond being something referring to what needs to be found. I mean, it would be kind of a redo, right? Because you do have this Ooh. sort of holiday playing dad. Thought. What's that? Something you said made me think about this, or maybe I was just, you know, like uh, off in La La Land. But I had a a recollection of Superman the movie and the crystals that had all the information for Superman. Because mm-hmm. you were talking about leaving a message for like his son and like that. I think that's what made me think of that. It's like maybe that's what the crystal could be in, uh, implying is like in this scenario of maybe it's a message for, you know, a future generation or maybe it's a contest for Parzival and Artemis can't have kids and they need to pawn off the oasis again to someone else so they create a challenge god i hope that's not it that would be that would be too much of a redo this this is yeah i'd expect this to be dramatically different i hope so because he he should know better than anybody he ernest klein should know better than anybody that if you back to the future sequelize this people are going to be pissed Marty, it's a problem with your kids. We've got to go to the future. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about. I'm more talking about how, like, oh, like his uh, all the females in his family lineage all look like his mother, and all you know uh, the story in you know 1885, 1955, all the same. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Uh, I don't know. I think there's some some cool ideas there. I I. I know I'm going to be looking at the cover more because, again, I got to think, you know, at least an introduction to the hint. If, you know, if not the full hint on the cover, maybe a reference to the first hint that takes you into what the book is going to conceal, what the book is going to trigger as far as whatever the next contest is going to be. 
assuming that there is one. But this is Ernest Klein, and he he kind of operates like that. So uh, I kind of I kind of expect something grander here. I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. I guess we'll just have to figure it out. He's had plenty of time, and expectations are going to be high. And I, I just really hope that he uses all of his expertise in pop culture to make sure that it's not like a pop culture bomb. It, 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 it's got to be, you know, if you do the same thing as the first book and drop a ton of names and make it about what you know, it, that was a, that's a one trick right there. It's like, you, we did that. We did that. Whatever we do next has got to take us to wherever that next step is. And if it is pop culture references, I don't, I don't like where that could go. Like the '90s were not nearly as colorful as in, or interesting as the '80s were in that regard, on any level, on any level. If he wants to do pop culture references, that's fine. What I don't want is to just be sprayed with them like a shotgun blast every five seconds. Like chapter, what was it? Chapter six with the big list. Oh yeah, yeah. About everything that he studied, everything that he had read, all of the research and work that he had done, and he just kind of goes through the list of yeah, uh, yeah. Just the whole, the whole, yeah. That, that basically just that was just just a crap load of name dropping. I just hope that it's done craftily. How often have you fell in love with a, a something like a book, a movie, and then there's a sequel and it ruins it, or a movie, or and it ruins it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I I think when you come out with a sequel for anything, uh, until you start getting into your third or your fourth book and people th- start to recognize that there are some common threads of attractiveness and common threads of real interest in, and character growth that you want to have more and more books. You come out with your second one, you're always going to be compared to your first. You already know that there's going to be a, an audience of people that are going to be like, hey, it was okay, but it wasn't as good as the first. You're just going to have that, right? My big concern here is that this has to also probably tie into a second movie. And then how will the translation of this book translate into a movie that follows up with the movie itself? I'm sure the script for the movie's already been written. Oh, no doubt. I'm sure. It, there's a lot to it. And we could go on for quite some time. But. Yeah, I think we probably, uh, maybe we'll do a, uh, a sequel to this episode and, and as we've digested a little bit and uh, talk about it some more. Who knows? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll find the first key Ooh. in the book through the cover. Right? Start counting the stars, man. I know, right? I mean, <laughs> probably know that it's like, wait a minute, that's the constellation Orion and... There's 47 stars on the 47th page is where the first hint is. Hey, it could be something that ridiculous. It totally could. It totally could. All right. Should we wrap it up then? I think we could probably wrap it up. This was a lot of fun. We haven't been able to do this for a while, but, um, you know, just like always, we've been doing this with proper social distancing. Absolutely. So keep listening, folks. We will keep, we will keep finding more information out. We will keep researching. We keep digging to the depths of ridiculousness that you expect from this podcast. And send us your thoughts. Yeah, and send us your thoughts. Social media. Uh, holler at us on Facebook, on Twitter, all the places that we are. Uh, but until the next episode, this is Chris. And this is Aaron. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.
See ya. I've got to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars scroll. I th- no, maybe they were yellow. Shit. That was yellow. Wow. It was a good try, though. That was early 70s, too, man. Like mid 70s. Damn, but I still, thought they were blue. Was... I know that the, the scrolling was in yellow, but. Oh, no, they were blue. What? Really? Like I'm looking at pictures. I see yellow. But how did it, when did it turn blue? Maybe some of the scrolls were blue, but not the first one. No, the first one that says a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I'm pretty sure is blue. Mm, all the pictures I'm looking at show yellow. All the ones I'm looking at show blue. Hmm. Maybe I should look at more pictures. Um uh, okay, a new hope was yellow. Alright, alright. No. Um, How do I send you a picture? Okay. You do that, How do and I, I'll send you. I'll send you my pictures. How do I send them to you in Skype? I have to go to this hey, chat. I, yeah. And then if you hit the dot dot dot, there's there should be. Well, shoot, there's not. There we go. A little chat chat thingy. Here's mine. Okay. See, this is the scrolly letters. I'm talking about when it says a long time ago in a galaxy. See the see the one in the second row all the way to the right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like. It's Just the initial. The initial. Got it. Okay, like somebody sort of telling the story there. Okay, okay. All right, fine. That's that's I see that. Now that's that starts in blue. Okay, that's that is interesting.